Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Must hybrid team leaders help their team members find meaning? Chad Brown says, no, we don't find meaning. We create it. Must hybrid team leaders create incredible experiences for their teammates? Chad Brown says, no. Each person on your team is responsible for their own experience. If you were to write a book on the wisdom of hybrid teams, everything you need is in today's podcast with leadership engagement expert, Chad Brown. We know you'll enjoy every second of this episode of Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon, and on the East Coast, our amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. How are you doing today, Ginny? I am doing beautifully. Thank you. I think my name is getting longer it, and it longer. It is. You know, as time goes on, people need to know all the parts of your name. One, you know, one day we'll have an entire show dedicated to why is Ginny named three other names that aren't Ginny. So, but today, today, let's just go on what's so important. Today on the podcast, we have Chad Brown, leadership engagement expert, founding partner of Take New Ground, and the host of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Chad thrives in extreme environments and finds comfort in difficult conversation. But we shall see. Chad, how are you today? I love that baiting. It's like, hmm, maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah. I've actually, Chad, I sent you out a bunch of questions, but I changed them. So there you go. Oh, good. I'm, I'm in. Let's go. That's how I thrive. Yeah, we love to do that together. Yes, we do. We like to tantalize. Uh, you asked how I was doing. You asked how I was doing. I'm doing wonderfully. I'm coming off of a weekend of two long ski days. So physically, I feel beat. Mentally and emotionally, I feel fantastic. Very good. And just just for our listeners out there, um, I know you are the host of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Everyone on this podcast right now is wearing clothes. I, what I wanted to do was ask you a question. What has surprised you the most over the last three years? What surprised me the most over the last three years? I think one of the things that has surprised me the most is is the human adaptability when something happens and we're determined to continue to create meaningful work, adaptability happens. And we witness that. I mean, we adapt. I, I know there's a lot of complaints about how we, you know, this could easily go political, I guess, but there's a lot of complaints about how this thing was handled over the last three years. But I choose to see all of the innovation all of the beauty, where people stepped up, where people got uncomfortable in order to continue to create what they wanted to create in the world. And I think that that has just been, I will never, I will take that with me the rest of my life, just seeing how people were willing to do something differently in order to connect. Okay. I just need to stop right now because you said you were surprised about the way people adapted to create meaningful work. You didn't say the way people adapted to work. So I want to dig into that 
You know, that is really cool. You adapted to create meaningful work. So what it, from your perspective, what happened? Well, I don't, you know, that's, that's interesting. I think those who really adapted, meaning got committed to what it is that they were doing, see their work as meaningful. Because if our work is meaningful, our commitment, our, the stakes are raised. And that's where creativity and that's where innovation lives. Nobody's out there being creating new things and innovating and dedicating themselves to something that they don't create meaning in. And I don't, I very purposely don't use the term find meaning. I don't think we find meaning. I think we create it. And so it was wonderful to watch people as they took a new approach to how they're going to create. And it has to have, there has to be something to pull you in. And it, I believe that's meaning. Chad, you just keep on, you just keep on dropping these amazing, beautiful bombs. I mean, like we don't find meaning, we create it. How did you do that for yourself over the last three years, Chad? Oh, man. I, I mean, I'm still doing it. It's a journey. Like I said, it's a commitment. For me, it was a real introspective time of like, what matters to me? Am I creating something that I'm proud of? Um, I think this time in particular, you know, I started, I started studying Stoicism probably about five or six years ago. And this time... You know, before this time, I was like, yeah, yeah, Stoicism's great. I love uh, so many powerful principles there. And it's calling me into, you know, appreciating the life that I have, not the life that I should have, all of that sort of stuff. And, and I was really rah, rah, rah. And then this time really tested my ability to be with what is and to make the most of it. And I think it has for almost everybody. And so that in and of itself, the discipline and the practice of Owning what is and making the best of it is is how I've created meaning in this time. And that's been the most meaningful thing that I've gotten out of it. So it was a true test for you. Oh, then. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, take this and let's see if it really works that's right. under pressure. That's right. The only good philosophy is the philosophy that can be tested. Chad, you, it's so funny. You, like, you end your sentences with these very deep principles. Most people say that they, they, they show these deep principles and then they go into it. Nope. No, that's not Chad. Chad just like comes up with these philosophical bombs and then just stops the sentence. Okay, good. Thank you, everybody. So, Chad, you love – you already mentioned discipline. You love extreme environments. That's what, it, that's what you told me. So I'm going to hit some hard topics today. Discipline, imposter syndrome, and conflict. You told me you love conflict. But I want to start with imposter, imposter syndrome. Do you or did you have it? We all have it. We all are imposters. If we're at least that's that's what I say, and and I say it a little bit flippantly. It's a it's kind of a baity thing, but in reality, the way that most people feel imposter syndrome is that they feel like they're presenting as something that they're not. And guess what? If we want to progress in life, if we want to do something bigger than us, each moment calls for us to step into something that we aren't currently. That's, that is the future, right? If, if we're not experiencing imposter syndrome, quote unquote syndrome, I would say the imposter experience. If we're not experiencing that, then we're not progressing. We're not stepping into something that calls us to be more than we currently are. So I actually, when my clients present to me that they're feeling imposter syndrome, I said, good, that's a requirement of being my client. 
that means you're pushing to something new, something beyond what you've experienced so far. So those who say they don't experience imposter syndrome, I'm wondering where they're not leaning in, where they're not pushing into something that's uncomfortable. Because that's the experience of being an imposter. You know, most people concerned, most people are worried they're a fraud. And there's, there's a distinction there, at least that I make. Fraud is the deception for gain. The imposter is stepping into something that you're currently not for a future worth having. He did it again, Jenny. Yeah, he yeah, did. He did he it did. again. <laughs> but that's okay. We got it. Yeah, we got we're, it. I think we're You've got the it. pattern now. I think we're at the pattern <laughs> yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like, jeez. <laughs> We've got you We're, we're out. learning the language. We're I learning get the it. language. Chad, we are so uh, just, just, happy we found you. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is, you know, there's, you can, my encouragement, what I work on with my clients and with myself, quite honestly, is to be honest about your experience. If you're feeling discontent between who you are or who you think you are and what you're taking on, be honest about that experience. And it lifts the weight of the imposter, the imposterness, because you're letting people into your experience. Hey, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm committed. I would much rather follow somebody who's committed than thinks they know what they're doing. I think it's fair to say most most of us say, you know, well, I've got to make sense out of this. I'm not going to be comfortable until I put some order and structure around this. I need a system, right? And you're saying, no, embrace the uncomfortable of of feeling like you have no idea what's really going on. And if you embrace that, then you can rise above it. That's right. I, I believe that. I, I, I believe the leaders that we want to follow are the ones that say, we've got something really big in front of us. And none of us know what it's going to take. I have no idea what it's going to take. But we're going to do whatever it takes. And in that, I can be connected to you, Jeannie, in like that makes that creates an environment in which you can bring something really meaningful to our team because I know I need you. But if I know everything and I know exactly where I'm going and I've, you know, I've got to put on this, this look, I don't need you. You're just a tool for me. Yes. And there goes, there goes diversity, there goes inclusiveness and there goes safety. You, you mentioned if I, if I make it look like I don't need you, I'm a fraud. Is that what you said? That's not what I said, but it sounds really good. Okay. I'm gonna, yeah. You just see, now he's starting to come up with his own. Well, I'm bomb. working. I'm working yeah. here. I'm to, I'm like sitting at the. Can we play back the tape? No. Yeah, I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting at the footsteps of of um of Chad Socrates Brown. No, no, no. Well, I I do think Mitch. I think it's a great point, right? Because if we if we use the definition I gave, which is deception for gain, my whole position as a leader is that. I don't need you. You're filling a space. You're filling a seat for me. And there's a million other people that could replace you. And that's all for my gain. That's for me to maintain control over you. And I know that we're going to talk about discipline. For in you, you had mentioned discipline, which I'm really excited to get into. But this is, this is the basis. This is the foundation of discipline for me in the workspace especially as we start talking about remote work, remote workspace, because forever leaders, or I'll put it in quote marks, leaders have made a lot of efforts to maintain control. 
And that maintenance of control got all disrupted when everybody went remote. And because we didn't know how to invite people into a vision and allow them to create their own discipline, we were lost, a lot of us. Those who were leading by control were lost. I wanted to ask you, I work with a lot of companies, I'm sure you do as well, Chad, where they've hired hundreds and hundreds of people to positions where they've, where these pe- people have either never been in the same room with other people on their, on their team or on their company, or, you know, get together, let's say once a year. So many of them really do have this sense of imposter syndrome because it's, it's like, here I am in my four walls. Do I really belong here? Wherever here really means, because here is the virtual space. How do you support those individuals who really don't have that physical connection? How do you support them to make them feel like, yeah, you do belong here. We really want you. You are important to us so that they don't feel lonely, so that they don't feel like they kind of got in the door somehow. Um, What do you do in that case? So I don't ascribe to the idea that we can make others feel anything. I think that's their responsibility. I'm, I'm a big advocate of personal responsibility, quite annoyingly, actually. And I, you know, but also in that same sentence, I will say the first thing I would do is recognize the challenge. Because there is a real challenge in that setting. One of which none of us have ever had to face before. And the idea is you are strong enough, you're worthy of this challenge. It's going to require something of you that you didn't even know existed up until now. Now, with that said, the challenge is real, so I'm not discrediting the challenge, but I'm inviting you to find the ways to connect that work for you and don't give up on it until you figure out what works. Go after it like it's your lifeline because it is. You spend 60 to 65% of your waking hours in this work and you, like the human experience of fulfillment is something that I want everybody to experience. So go after it like it is your lifeline because it is. And I don't know what it's going to take for you, Jenny, or you, Mitch, to connect, but I'll support you in it. Whatever you need, let me know. And, and that's really my approach. But you have the responsibility to connect with other people and to figure out in this new environment what that means for you and what's possible in the organization that you're in. Yeah, Chad, no, I, I love that. It's, it's interesting. When I was working for Nokia back in the day when Nokia meant something, that was one of the things they actually told us. I love us my was, Nokia phone, by the way. You, what's that? I said, I love my Nokia I phone. I did too. I did it too. Had a little snake game on it. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the history of Nokia. No, let's not. No, let's not. <laughs> they, you know, they basically said to me, you know, my first 360 was, you know, you're not connected enough. Go connect to the company. And in those days it was, well, how the heck am I going to connect? Because Helsinki is really far away from San Diego. What you're saying is if you're feeling disconnected employee, go figure it out. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because it is, it is uh, your obligation, and it is important to me as your leader that you are connected. Yeah, I am saying that. I am saying that. I also believe leader. There's leadership in every level. 
And what I mean by that is if you're lonely, whatever you, whatever level, quote unquote level you are in the company, if you're feeling lonely, I guarantee somebody else out there is also feeling lonely. So take some leadership and create some connection, however you possibly can, and then extend it to those who are also in the position. Invite them into the ways that you've connected. You could become the chief connection officer of your own little team, whatever you want to do. And, and that is taking responsibility so long. There has been a lie in business for a really long time. And the lie is, is that your company will take care of you. And the reason that I say that's a lie is because they're not equipped to do so because they can't take action for you. You're responsible for your experience. And if there comes a moment where you don't see possibility for the experience that you want, where you currently are, go find something new. You, yeah, you and I were, uh, you and I were uh, twins, you know, separated at birth because I do. There's one company where every employee goes through this course that I teach, which is Excel's remote team member. And that's the first thing I teach. You are responsible for your own experience. If you're having a bad day, go fix it. Yeah, I love that. Mitch, that's the piece that I feel, and Jed, uh, what you're probably referring to, that has been a bit missing in a lot of this talking we have had about virtual and hybrid. Who has the upper hand, right? Is it the company now, or now they've shifted then to the employee and it, it goes back and forth. Instead of talking about, it's a mutual responsibility and accountability. And we have to equally talk to the employees. You're going through your own questioning now because of what happened with this big social experience. And it's the perfect time for you to create now for yourself and not just wait and then usually complain about what the organization has decided. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Great. Let's get into discipline. On our, on, our, um, on our, let's say, our meet each other call, we talked about Jocko Willink, both disciples, disciples of discipline. I guess those words are connected. Where do you, so Chad, where do you struggle with discipline and what do you, how do you overcome it? Oh, everywhere. <laughs> Okay. All right. This guy is freaking honest, Ginny. Well, if you're honest about your experience, then you don't have to worry about being a fraud. That's true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's a challenge everywhere. And I win on days and I lose on days. And the, the wins and the losses are learning opportunities for me. They're not, they don't mean anything about me. I am not my actions. My worth is inherent, but my discipline creates my legacy. So when I'm struggling, which which can be in any given moment in any area of my life, currently right now, I'm struggling with my diet, to be frank. I mean, I was really great for a while eating exactly the way I want, intermittent fasting, you know, all of the things that we're all working towards. And then this just these last couple months, I've gotten lazy about it. Quiet quitting? Yeah, exactly. Actually, it's not so quiet. Um, I'm, I'm quite loud. I'm quite, quite loud about it. But, you know, discipline is a practice. And I think more and more, if we can adopt the idea and attitude of practice rather than performance constantly in our lives, 
we make room and grace for ourselves to make mistakes. And we can actually get connected to current reality, what's really going on, right? That is the current reality for me is that I'm not eating the way I would like to eat for the performance, for the type of life that I would like to live. And if I'm not practicing, if, if it's all a performance and everything is high stakes all the time, then I'm going to make up all sorts of things about myself, how I'm wrong, bad, or broken because I can't do this thing. When in reality, it's just like, hey, it's feedback. Feedback is neutral. I don't, I don't ascribe to positive and negative feedback. I, there is just feedback. And reality is the like current reality, the world, the universe is your friend that gives you feedback constantly. Is there a pill we can take? What, to be like Chad? Yeah, right. Yeah, I want a Chad pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Chad, this other thing you just said, it's practice, not performance. Wow, that just turns it on its head, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. Even in this, you know, even as we're sitting in this conversation, you know, I, every time I jump on one of these, I get a little bit of nerves going, you know, I get a little nervous and all of, and that's just an indicator to me is, Hey man, this is meaningful to you. And this is an opportunity to practice being with people in a meaningful way. That's why you're nervous. That's why you're excited, all of that sort of stuff. And when you make mistakes in this moment, you're going to learn from them. What is it about this guy, Jenny? Just Chad. Well, that's a whole other podcast. How do you become a how do you become a Chad? Yeah. I just before we get on to the next question, I am really um inspired by my discipline creates my legacy. Like you said early, my discipline creates my legacy. That's all it is. It's it's kind of like Brendan Bouchard talks about the food you eat today is going to support you three days from now which is, yeah, it's what you do today and you can only do what you can do today uh, creates your future. And that's all. And it's just a practice. It's just, it's just a practice. Some days I'm good and some days I eat a Twinkie. You know, what can I tell you? All right. Well, really quick, can I, can I say one more thing along those lines? Because we kind of hinted towards it earlier in the conversation and we just want to call back to it. So when we're talking in the, when we're talking about discipline in the, realm of leadership, especially when we talk about remote leadership. There's two, there's two management behavior types that I talk a lot about. And one of them is managing behavior and the other is managing results. So those who, who are leaders listening to this, if you could just do some a practice for me really quick and just introspectively look into what it is that you pay attention to and where the conversations are with the people you lead is it around is it mostly around their behavior like being on time being in their seats filling out the reports correctly on and on and on and on or is it mostly around the results that they're creating and this is an this is an exercise that I do with all of my new clients and when we're in a room with a C suite we get two days with them this is the first thing that we get a gauge on are we managing behavior or are we managing results and if you're leading a remote team and you're trying to manage behavior, good luck. It's over before it began. But if you are centrally focused as a team on results and the behavior 
is what is what it is. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to see it. None of that stuff. I mean, we're not talking about like workplace abuse or anything like that, but, but in general, how the work gets done matters so much less than the results that we're creating. And that's the beauty of what this whole pandemic experience, crisis, whatever you want to call it. That's what it's, it's really shifted the culture of work to, I get my work done and I do it really well. And it doesn't matter how or when I do it. Great. Great. Let's move on to conflict. Most shy away from conflict. Chad, you rush in. Have you always been like this? No, no. So tell us about what, what happened to you, Chad? I'm a people pleaser at heart. Okay. <laughs> I learned what happened to me is I learned what true commitment looks like and realizing that connection, like conflict is the narrow pathway to connection period. You and I, Mitch, we don't get to connect in a real meaningful way unless we go through some shit together. And I say go through it together on purpose. If both you and I can handle anything together, our connection goes through the roof. What we can get done together in the future is multiplied by I don't even know how much. And conflict is that door. It's that opening. It's that opportunity to actually check in with each other, find out where each other is for me to find out what I'm making up about it, to find out what it is that you might be making up about it and how we can reconnect in the disconnection. But it's when we avoid conflict or we look at it as a, most people think connection is a detriment to your relationship but it's actually the medicine your relationship needs if you're willing to be in it. How did you get to this, this approach for those of us who are listening who are, gosh, I hate conflict. How did you get to, was there an experience or experiences that said, you know what, this is it. This is um, how I want to live my life. Well, I, it started with the principle of learning the principle. I've, I've been lucky enough to have two of the most amazing mentors I believe in the world. Dan Takini, he's been at this work. They're the they're the founding partners of our firm. He's been in this work for 45 years. And one of the most beautiful examples of going right after the conflict, going right after the elephant. You know, a lot of people talk about, say, talk about the elephant in the room. We say ride the elephant uh-huh. until it's tired. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. It's because it's so much more action-based, you know, it's, there's so much more available than just talking about the thing we have to, we don't have to, the opportunity is to really dive in and, and express ourselves in a way that's vulnerable, but also clear and committed to what we're here for. The other one is Adrian Kaler. Again, one of our founding partners of our, of our firm. I hired him. I created a, a film production business in 2009 and was the, was a terrible leader, um, very disconnected from my people. I saw them as tools. I was a victim to my business. It owned me. I traveled over 300 days of the year while my wife and two little children were in a small apartment in Southern California. Our marriage was deteriorating. I was unhappy and directionless. And when I realized this, I hired him to come in and consult. And I thought he was going to be a business consultant and business coach, which he was really good at that. But ultimately, he changed, he offered me this perspective of the conflict, the con- all of the, 
conversa- all the hard conversations that I was avoiding were creating my reality. The conflicts you were avoiding, the conflicts you were avoiding were creating your reality. Absolutely. They were creating the results that I had. A lot of those conversations were conversations I wasn't having with myself. So that invitation to the principle and then practicing and failing and practicing and failing and practicing and failing and then getting a little bit of a success and then practicing and fail. All of that process for me is where it, where I was a, have been able to continue to adopt the practice. Great. Chad, I want to talk to you for about 10 more hours. Great. Let's go. Let's I'm go, baby. My, I'm clearing my schedule now. Right. I want to, I want to bring you back. You guys are so gracious. I just want to, I want to point out if I go to your website, which is take new ground, there's a lot of references to bullshit on the site. I want, because Ginny and I lead a lot of retreats. What is special about your retreats such that there is no bullshit? That's a great question. I would actually say that the lack of bullshit does not make them great. And there is no lack of bullshit. Everywhere we go, there's bullshit. Whether or not you're willing to own your bullshit is what defines you as a leader and a, and a human that people can connect to. So Warner Earhart, one of the great trainers of our time, I believe, he stood in front of a group of a couple thousand people and he said, you're all assholes. And you can hear like a laughter and kind of a, you know, the, the, the air is sucked out of the room. And he said, you know, you want to know how I know you're all assholes? Because you're all sitting there thinking about how you're not assholes. That's what makes you an asshole. And it's such a colorful way to point out if you're unwilling to see your own bullshit, if you're unwilling to uh, recognize the places where you want to posture, where you want to put up a front or a mask, if you're unwilling to, to do that, that's, what, per, that's what, what perpetuates the bullshit. So for us, the practice in our retreats, in our trainings is to start to recognize and own the bullshit that we perpetuate in our lives. And that goes for us, the trainers in the front of the room, that we are constantly talking about where we're missing it, what we're making up, how we're judging, all, you know, all of where we're not hearing feedback, all of that sort of stuff. And that gives others the permission to step in and say, yeah, me too. I was making this up. I was doing this and I'm committed. And this is the, this is the key point because it's not a bunch of us sitting around talking about how much we mess up. It's talking about what's not working and then making a new commitment. That's the key. Because so many people, you know, it's, it's very, it can be very woke at this time to wallow in where things aren't working for us. But we miss that second step of, okay, well, what are we committed to now? Where are we willing to take action, get uncomfortable, see the feedback, and make, like, make our own lives, be ownerships of our own experience, or be owners of our own experience, rather? Great. Chad, final question. And for those of our listeners, Chad sounds like he's like 150 years old with all this wisdom. I think he's about 22. I mean, he looks 22 to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wish. That would be awesome. I feel 22. Yeah. 
You don't, you don't look much older, Chad. Let's just say that. So I turned 40 in April next month. 40 I'm 40. April, yeah. But man, a lot of wisdom. Okay. I think by now, Everyone who's listening is like, how can I find Chad? How can we find you, Chad? Well, on our podcast, Naked Leadership is a great place to do that. The format there is I host both of our founders, Dan and Adrian. A lot of the converse, a lot of the episodes are conversations with, with us three. Sometimes we'll bring on guests, experts, but typically it's us three talking about really a lot of our client experiences come into the into the conversation, what we're working on with our clients or even what we're working on with ourselves. One episode that I would point people towards is um, it's called how I think it's two or three episodes from when we're recording this. I wish I had the number. It's going to be like 145. It's called how we do conflict. And it is an episode where I bring up a grievance, something that I wasn't happy about with the two of them. And we, and we process that conversation together. And that for us, it's totally raw, real. They didn't know I was going to do that. I gave them another topic and then we got on and I said, actually, here's what I would like to do. And it was really, it was such a great experience, but it, it's, it is actually how we communicate as a team. It is 100% real and raw. And it's the way it's, it's the best way I could think that we could show how conflict is the narrow pathway to connection. We stay connected through it. There's, there's parts where I'm uncomfortable and triggered and and they are too and we stick with each other to get clear on how we move forward so that's one of the that's one of the most fun conversations we've had on the podcast um i'm also on all the social medias we have a youtube channel called by the same name naked leadership yeah i'm I'm out there and available chad this has been such a pleasure a gift a gift this has been a gift you guys are so generous yeah, this has been wonderful. I, um, gosh, you remind me of so many of my own mentors that I've had over the years, just packaged in a very young person. <laughs> With a baseball With cap. A ba- oh, okay. So you, ha- I just have to say this before we go. You have a baseball cap, which has an and sign on it. Tell us about the and sign. Yeah, it's a, for me, it's a way of living. So one of the, I was debating whether or not where, what direction I went when you asked what has surprised me over the last two years or three years. And the other one that I was choosing between was polarity. It's been shocking to me how polarized, and I get that this is an old conversation now. Everybody's talking about it, but it's black or white, two extremes. And to me, I'm interested in the gray. I'm interested in how both exist. And that's the and for me. So most people use, you know, this or that, and I'm interested in this and that. How do we how do we be together in a meaningful way and with all of our differences? Yes, and a great, great philosophy that comes from improv. Yes. I'm I'm such a comedy junkie yeah. as well. That's um, great. No, that's wonderful. On the next podcast. On the next podcast. So, Chad, thank you. This has been an absolute delight. Ginny, thank you so much for co-hosting. And please, gosh, share this episode. I will be sharing this episode with everyone I know. Share this episode with your friends, your family, your colleagues, um, those you haven't talked to in a long time. Just kind of send this out and go, you know what? I heard this guy, Chad. You've got to listen to him. So with that... We look forward to seeing uh, seeing you next time on our next episode of Team 
anywhere.